You've tuned in to the Roundtable Podcast, episode 53. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Humphrey. And I'm Dave Robison. And you're listening to the Roundtable Podcast. Each and every week on the Roundtable Podcast, we invite writers to come onto the show and pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host. That's right. And then we dig into it. We rend flesh from bone and see what the story is really made of and decide what to keep, what to throw out. And hopefully at the end, we end up with what we like to call literary, literary gold. gold. <laughs> I think we're actually getting better at that. We, we're getting closer. Yeah, yeah. I'm liking yeah. it. I'm liking it. I, 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 I got to observe, Brian, that that uh, since your return, since your uh, uh, birthing of baby experience. Um, uh, yes, and that was very painful for me, by the way. I Well, sure. I, if nothing else, I can only imagine the sympathetic labor pains you must have endured. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but your description of the, of the writerly process that we undergo has taken a distinctly visceral turn. Uh, and if our guest writer wasn't the badass that I know he is, he might be sorely tempted to leave at this point. Mm. Um, is is there something you want to tell us or share with us? No, I just think that this podcast is not for the the uh, <laughs> not for the faint, faint of, of heart. heart. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Because because we're we're not going to pamper anybody. That's true. Pamper. Did you oh, catch I, it? Did I you see catch what it? you did there. Yep. Yep. Daddy. Oh boy. Daddy. Daddy puns on the move. <laughs> oh God! And we've, before we dive too deeply into that awesomeness, which is awesome, but definitely for probably a different theme of podcast. Yes, uh, let's uh, uh, let's jeté back to the to the cool zone uh, and invite our our guest host to his big chair, shall we, sir? Absolutely. I, I, I think we ought. I definitely think we ought. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, returning to the big, comfy, overstuffed chair at the round table, author of Geekomancy and the forthcoming Celebromancy uh, and other intriguing works that, that lurk and linger at the fringes of imagination, we are so very pleased to welcome back Mike Underwood. Mike, thank you, sir, for joining us today to workshop a store. This is going to be epically awesome. No, thank you, guys. This uh, this chair is very comfy. I see that it has both uh, the Star Trekian uh, console uh, features, <laughs> but also the spinniness, which is most important in a captain's chair. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And yes. and it has yes. been freshly laundered. Uh, uh, we recently had Connor McCreary of uh, uh, and and Anthony Del Sol of Kill Shakespeare, and there was some messiness. Uh, but we, we we had it laundered, so nothing to worry about there. Well, they, they had to share the one chair and that's always right. a little that was awkward messy. that was yeah. awkward very yeah cool. those guys are awesome i actually got to meet them a couple years back um when i was repping uh got getting to sell their work out into bookstores oh very cool oh god yeah they were they were they were a delight uh so so mike i i geekomancy has has literally created this little mini explosion of awesomeness in the genre fiction world uh uh it's meta it's 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 urban fantasy and and it's an not an homage to geekiness but certainly anybody who thrives in this culture of existence which is becoming more and more mainstream can find so much goodness in there you're following that up with celebromancy um which is coming out this year and and i can only assume there is more awesomeness to come so please if you would regale our listeners in in what we can look forward to in the coming weeks and months from the desk of mike underwood sure thing well um 
I have a fair number of things that are, are kind of in the hopper and that they're on various people's desks. So by the time this airs, there may be big news. Okay. Uh, and if such a thing happens, I'll be sure to let you guys know, and then we can use the glorious powers of post-production retcon uh, <laughs> and add them in. But uh, I'll be hitting conventions. I do want to spend just a little bit of time and throw some love at uh, a charity. Um, a couple of years back when I was at Clarion West, I had the, the great pleasure of getting to meet uh, science fiction author Jay Lake, yes. who is a Campbell Award winner and just phenomenal writer. He, he can put the emotion and intensity into like 3,000 words of a short story that it takes me chapters to even approach. Um, and he's right now doing a fundraiser or friends of his are doing a fundraiser that will help do a, a, an awesome new procedure and figure out new ways to fight the cancer that he's been struggling with for several years. Um, so the fundraiser is called Sequence, a Science Fiction Writer, and it's on youcaring.com. And there's seven, uh, it, it may be done by the time this comes on, but you can also go and check out Jay's work and, and follow that because he is a treasure of the community, and we want to hold on to him for as long as possible. Excellent, excellent. What was the name of that website Very again? Cool. Uh, that is on youcaring.com, and the project is Sequence, a Science Fiction Writer. But you can also find Jay Lake uh, at his website to see what's going on with him and uh, look into his work if you haven't already. Excellent, excellent. And so many uh, icons of the genre fiction uh, community have stepped forward and, and spoken in, in bright and bold uh, support of this, of, of both Jay and this, this particular cause. Yes, definitely, friends. Make the scene, if nothing else, uh, uh, show your support in any way that you can uh, uh, and, and give, give Jay that lifeline he needs so he can keep making the awesomeness that he does. Thank you, Mike, very much. We'll make sure that yeah, gets into absolutely. the liner notes. Um, Excellent. And, and uh, uh, a brief recap of, of cons that you're attending, perhaps? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I've actually, I've got organized and went ahead and wrote it all down. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> so I'll be appearing with the Bergen County Science Fiction Association in New Jersey on May 11th um, to to talk a little bit about them. Probably some on my work as a writer and some uh, my work with Angry Robot books. I'll be hitting WISCON, ReaderCon, possibly GenCon, uh, WorldCon in San Antonio, and World Fantasy in Brighton. Outstanding. Outstanding. And, and so Celebromancy comes out in July of this year, yes. is that correct? Awesome. July 15th. Very cool. Um, and uh, uh, you alluded to other works in the hopper, and I certainly don't want to, to, to tempt the muzzle that is put upon all authors as these things are in the works, but can you tease us with some delights that might uh, allure us to, to wait with bated breath? Well, much like when I, I put aside one project to write Geekomancy, as I was writing um, some pitch packages for my, for my agent to send out um, into the world, I had one idea that was already written and revised, uh, another one that I had a little bit, and then I came up with one new urban fantasy. I did another new urban fantasy, and then <laughs> my, my brain came along and uh, mugged... Uh, hijacked my subconscious and then ran screaming into a new setting which is the one where I spent a, a solid three or four days doing world building like I was going to run a, a single single day live action game and then the six, first 6,000 words came out all in a couple of days wow. and so hopefully one or more of those projects 
will will soon get a deal, and then you'll get to see the uh, the fruits of my my holiday season labor, and then we'll I'll be expanding my my campaign to dominate science fiction geekdom into a new area. <laughs> awesome. awesome! Yes, yes, we will support and endorse that. And and Mike, when 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 authors talk about things being on the back burner. Uh, your back burner must be this like this frothing, raging inferno of fire because all of these things, you sound very passionate about all of them. Well, I, I have the luxury of, since writing is a second kind of stream of income, right now I get to focus mostly on things that I'm most passionate about. I get to pick and choose my projects. Since this money is not paying my rent, I get to be particular. You know, if okay. I get to the point where I'm so lucky that writing is my day job, I'll just have to keep upping the stakes and setting new challenges for myself so that I stay passionate because if I'm not passionate about work, I'm going to try everything I can to not do it and I'll sure. just be distracted and do other things. So there's no reason for me to write something I'm not engaged about at that level. That may be the first time we've ever heard a writer actually come out in defense and, and present a, a silver lining to the fact that writing is not their day job. Uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> given your day job, sir, I can only imagine that, that there's a very, there's not a lot of difference between the awesomeness of your work and the awesomeness of your play. No, I, I get a lot of learning about how to be a better author by being a sales and marketing professional. And uh, it's a really nice combination. And I have tremendously supportive uh, colleagues and my boss, Mark Gascon, um, at Angry Robot, uh, knew that I was a writer when he hired me. And they've all been very encouraging. So the crossover is amazing. That's exceptional. That's very exceptional. Cool. And, and so characteristic of the Angry Robot vibe that has just really yes. distinguished itself as as blazing new trails in terms of not just the fiction that they put out there, but the relationships that they're cultivating uh, along those lines. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mike, we're going to make sure that all of that goodness gets into the liner notes. So friends, you can check out the, the con schedule, the, the charity support for Jay Lake, uh, check out links to uh, the, the books that we know are coming out from Mike. Uh, but for right now, dear friends, I'm thinking we need to pause. We need to, we need to take a brief moment and, and showcase uh, another podcast or an awesome ebook or, or some, some bit of delight that is out there in the world that our fans need to be aware of. And when we come back, we're going to workshop a story. Sound good? Sounds brilliant. Woo. Yes. Woo. See? And that's exactly how I feel <laughs> inside. Every time I say that, I go, woo. So, yes, friends, <laughs> you guys stay right where you are. We will be right back. Attention, everyone. We interrupt this program to bring you an important message. Are you a writer? Do you wish you could make your own audiobook? then you should be listening to PodioRookie.com, the podcast that helps you turn your novel into a professional-sounding audiobook. Any questions? I was just wondering if the professor on Gilligan's Island can make a radio out of coconuts. Why doesn't he just fix the hole in the boat? Any other questions? Good. Join us each week as author, songwriter, and recording engineer Ken Crawford helps you record and produce professional-sounding audiobooks. Subscribe to the free weekly podcast at podiorookie.com. 
And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Lords and ladies of the Roundtable podcast, welcome back to what I like to call the workshop proper. And uh, I'm ready to froth. I don't know about you, Dave. So let's strap on our black spandex super suits and soar into this. Ooh, black spandex. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it could be yellow because no, no. that was like, you no. know. Wolverine that, and and I know, but they they are, they already meted that in the first movie. We can't do that. No, I'm I'm down yeah. with the black spandex. I'm all over that. Yeah, black um, is good. Black is good. Uh, Brian, our guest writer, can't recall a time when he didn't want to tell stories. And actually, he started down the path of a comics illustrator. Uh, and you know, I think secretly many of us did, uh, but I think he got a little farther down the road. And then he realized that animation was like comics times awesome. Uh, and so he began to pursue that, uh, but was thwarted by the prohibitive costs associated with that particular field of study. Uh, uh, now, by the way, sidebar, dude also joined the Marine Corps and served Ooh. for 10 years and was a part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Now, these... Fabulous. Absolutely. And, and these days... <laughs> I love this. Uh, uh, he works on newly constructed wind turbines, eating mm. his lunch 300 feet in the air. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, exactly. But his stories, the stories are still clamoring in his heart, craving a voice that only he can give it. So he has come to us today. Dear friends, please join us in welcoming to the writer's chair, Linton Bowers. Linton Thank you so much, sir, for offering up a story for us to workshop. This this podcast is nothing without courageous gentlemen like yourself. Thank you. Most definitely. Uh, thank you for having me and making me sound awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's not that hard, Linton. It really, nope. really isn't. Are you still pursuing the 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 illustrative uh, uh, craft and 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 drawing and and sequential art? Uh, no, not so much anymore. It's more of just uh, something to pass the time every once in a while. But I bet your I bet your manuscripts are fraught with doodles, even more so than Brian's. Yeah. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> We've heard you describe your your dripping eyeballs of gore yes. on the sidebar of your manuscripts. Do you, That's true. Do, do you, is your are your sketch pads uh, uh, balanced between uh, doodles and words? Yeah, definitely. E even my notepad in front of me now for taking notes has doodles on it already. <laughs> you cannot get away from that visual expression once you once you immerse yourself into it. That's awesome. But we're here to explore some some literary expressions, so let's dive into your story pitch, sir. Now, we're going to give you three to five minutes. Give us the title, the genre, the format. Is it going to be a short story, a novella, series of stories, whatever? Uh, uh, theme, hook line, uh, introduce us to the world if it's different from ours, uh, give us some, some insights into the characters that are being showcased in here, and then walk us through the, the, the basic signposts of the story, and, and we'll dive into this. So I'm going to turn the mic over to you, Linton. It's all yours, baby. All right. Uh, the working title is Fat Boy Hero. It's a genre mashup of superhero, sci-fi, and YA. Uh, the hook line is a portly inner city boy accidentally stumbles upon alien tech that grants him amazing powers. Can he overcome his poor self-esteem in time to save the world from invasion and protect the people he loves? Uh, as far as theme goes, it's not really something that's in my writing process yet. So 
I usually just let whatever happens happen. Um, the characters, uh, the protagonist of this story is a boy named Ruben Berger. Uh, <laughs> Ruben is an overweight, <laughs> overweight comic book nerd and uh, a social outcast. Lack of self-esteem, believing himself to be worthless. He will be infested with nanomachines that will turn his fat cells into energy storage system. And he will then be able to fire bolts of energy from his hands, as well as becoming stronger and faster. At first, he'll think these powers are a wonderful gift, but we'll end up seeing them as a curse. Another character is Ruben's grandmother. She is his sole guardian and the only family member he has, making it very important that Ruben keep her safe. Uh, Ruben Berger will also, or excuse me, Grandma Berger will also serve as a moral compass for Ruben, helping him, helping to steer him towards a more righteous path. Anaya is Ruben's best friend. They've been friends for as long as they can remember. Um, considering making her a love interest, or just leaving her as as his best friend and adding some conflict into their relationship in other ways. Uh, the antagonist is a guy named Xander Lawrence. Xander is a human agent for the invading aliens. His job is to spread corruption in the local government, making it easier for the aliens to conquer. He is just uh, one of many such agents working for the aliens. In return, he will be given special powers and made into one of the human overseers once the invasion has succeeded. The power he was promised are powers that ended up in Reuben, and he thinks Reuben has stolen them. I see Xander as, as an example of Reuben, what Reuben could be, should he make the wrong choices, and that he came from a similar background as Reuben, so sort of a, a mirror image of him. And the, uh, the world this takes place in is a fictional city that has not yet been named. Uh, it's going to be a large city, much like Chicago, and it's going to take place in present day in a world where the technology mimics our own. Uh, it's also a place that's been visited by aliens, so the abduction stories have actually happened. <laughs> and um, for the story, I've used seven-point seven plot structure. So the hook is Reuben is returning home and finds his apartment building is on fire. Without giving any thought to what he should do, Reuben rushes into the building to save his grandmother. Uh, he labors his way up four flights of stairs to get to his floor. Before arriving to his own apartment, he comes across several of his neighbors requiring his help to get out of the building. So Reuben gets caught up in saving most of the residents of his floor. The plot turn, plot turn one, is Reuben comes to an apartment door that is cracked open uh, and finds a very large room on the inside of it. It's, it's much bigger on the inside than it should be. And it's full of a lot of high-tech equipment that he's never seen before. And this is the room where Reuben will become infused with the nanomachines. The process will leave him disoriented and he'll manage to stumble outside where he'll find his grandmother already outside and she was helped outside by Anaya. And then he'll pass out. Uh, pinch one. Reuben will wake up in a hospital bed with his grandmother and Anaya there. One of the walls will explode and Xander will enter the room, loaded down with alien weaponry. Uh, Reuben's powers will activate as a defensive reaction, and he'll fend off uh, Xander, causing him to flee. The midpoint 
Ruben manages to commune with his nanites, gaining a better understanding of what he is capable of. Using his newfound knowledge, Ruben transfers some of his nanites to Anaya, allowing her to walk. Also a side effect is that she gains super strength and speed. Uh, she informs Ruben that she will be helping him to take care of Xander. Unfortunately, Grandma Ruben passes away as a result of her injuries, making Anaya the only person Ruben has left. Uh, plot turn two. Xander is able to control Anaya, or Anaya because she's missing the control nanos that would have blocked out the control signals. Uh, she's turned against Ruben and he's forced to fight her and defeat her to remove her and remove her nanos. Uh, she's once again paralyzed as a result. And the resolution is Ruben has his final confrontation with Xander. He defeats Xander and learns of the alien invasion. Uh, and he also finds out that he's too late as he witnesses the first wave of assault ships entering the atmosphere. And that's where the story oh, is. No, no cliffhanger there. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well done, sir. Nice uh, and excellent pitch. I think you've given us a, a good foundation to work from. Um, Linton, what do you want to get out of the next 45 minutes um, or so? I'd really like to hear you guys' thoughts on what the weaknesses and strengths are. Um, maybe strengthen Xander's motivation some and um, work with Ruben's relationships with his grandmother and Anaya. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's going to happen. Uh, uh, just we're, we're all over that. So very cool. Before we dive into that, though, we really must uh, uh, cover our ass. So, Master Humphrey, would you be so kind, sir? I would be delighted. <clears throat> okay, so, Mr. Linton, in the course of, uh, of workshopping your piece, um, we're going to, all, all three of us, and, and actually all four of us as well, are going to come up with a lot of different things to try to help you out. And hopefully our, our desire is to give you stuff that you can work with in order to flesh this out and make it a really awesome story. But uh, we're also going to be throwing a lot of bullshit at you, so make sure that you're wearing some plastic. <laughs> and, uh, and, and feel free to throw out anything that doesn't really fit. Absolutely. Because this is your story, man, and, and we're, just, we're just offering ideas. Make sense? That's right. It does. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right, it is our custom to, to take a quick turn around the table and have everyone give first thoughts uh, and impressions and also ask some questions of clarification. Uh, and uh, we usually lead off with our guest host. So, Mike Underwood, uh, what are your first impressions of Linton's story idea? And uh, do you have any questions to help clarify some of the points that we need to, to workshop this bad boy? Sure thing. Uh, my first impression is that this is exactly the kind of super YA that I want to see more of on the shelves. Uh, so I've, I'm very excited to begin with. Uh, I feel like this story is, exists smack dab in the middle um, in my brain between Blue Beetle, the new one, Spider-Man, and Static Shock, which is a fantastic playground to, to, be, to be working in. There you go. Um, one thing I would kind of, I, would, I want to throw out pretty quickly is um, Linton? Are you familiar with Ken Height's um, axes of design for superhero settings? I am not. Um, so Ken Height is a um, RPG designer, and he has this great um, essay that he wrote for the game called Wild Talents, which it talks about the different axes of a superhero setting. And uh, so there's like historical inertia, and the point of it is I want to to check and see. If, you, if there are any places where you're uncertain about what the world is supposed to be like and how the world is set up will inform 
the story. Because I think um, for your for Xander's motivations, I want to know about kind of what has happened in his past and what's possible for him to get and what the reality of what he's going to end up with is going to be. Because it seems like you've got a fairly truncated um, timeline. So this, that's fine for YA because you can go a little bit shorter. But what that's telling me is that we're going to want a lot of clear moments of character interaction and for Ruben to kind of contemplate his space in the world. And if we know what he can do to change the world and change his own life, we'll have a better, the reader will have a better sense of, you know, kind of what fits in the world and how things are going to go. So I may go back to those and I will definitely get you the information so that you can use it to think about. Um, I really like it as a design tool for superhero settings and it may uh, be a little bit pr- fruitful for you as well. That sounds like an invaluable resource for, for not, yeah. not just Linton, but for, <laughs> for all Everyone. of us. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What about uh, uh, any, any questions that you might have, Mike, to, that, that need fleshing out? Um, I'm not sure that there's enough plot ferns to be a whole novel just yet. So the way that the seven-point story structure works in my experience, uh, kind of learning about it through Dan Wells, is that there's stuff that happens in between. So I, I would be interested to, to hear from, from you, Linton, if you could maybe give us a little bit more of a sense of what happens in between the story points. Um, so I have a sense of where you're putting some of the energy and where we can fit in all those relationships that you want to build up, which are definitely going to be very important. Linton, you got any thoughts on that? Um, to be honest, I haven't really, really gotten that far into to planning it out yet. Um, okay. So I'm wide open to throw some ideas around there. Well, we can put that on the table as, as uh, yeah. discussion topics as we go. Excellent. Sure. Anything else, Mike, to, to kick us off? Uh, yeah, I think that um, we, can do, we can do the structure, but I'd like to see more of Ruben's normal world before we go into the fire. Good point. So that we can, we can set the groundwork. And I definitely want, my understanding, if you want the grandma to be like an Obi-Wan Kenobi mentor type character, we definitely want to see her in action, or we have to have her very present in Ruben's mind as he's thinking about um, his journey as a hero. That's an excellent point. And and I, and I I think we can explore some of that as well. Because because you're right, this does kind of hit the ground running, which is indicative of YA, but uh, uh, kind of uh, is an, an abrupt start for us to to really get our hooks into these characters and ca- and care about them uh, and want them to succeed. Very cool, Brian. What about you, sir? First thoughts and questions. Oh my goodness, I have so many. <laughs> um, all right, I'll try to I'll try to run through this kind of fast. Um, th- okay, two things. One is your your hero, and then your your villain or your, your protagonist and your antagonist. And so I want to start with, uh, with the protagonist and, um, he's, he's, uh, he's fat, right? So my question is why, and how does his being fat enhance the story? And the first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, like Kung Fu and, right. I mean, the main character is fat. And at the end, that becomes a very pivotal aspect of the story. Like, he wouldn't be able to defeat the bad guy without, you know, being fat. Like, the bad guy punches him and doesn't do anything. So, um, that's one thing that I want you to, to, if you have an idea for that, um, well, let me just ask you, do you have a reason why he's fat? I I do. It goes back to to his his powers. Um, It's going to be the storage system for his his 
for his power, for his energy bolts. And I was thinking of making, giving him the option to be fat or skinny after he gets the nanos. And when he's skinny, he basically has no power because there's no way okay. to draw from. No, I like that a lot. Yeah. And then, then I would want to make Xander skinny. Um, just if, if Xander ever <laughs> ends up getting some of that power, then it's, you know, no, the reason that that fat boy or that that Ruben is able to overcome him is because he has so much more storage capacity. Um, and then to to jump into Xander, uh, one question that I have very specifically is why him? Why would the aliens choose him to sort of be their agent on Earth? What is it about him that attracted them to him? And then um, to kind of go into that, I, I, I wrote it out as a whole bunch of questions, but I'm just going to read through them real fast. So one is, you know, does he, why does he choose to help them? Um, does he forsake his own kind for power alone or because he's been forsaken in some way or felt forsaken by society? So is he trying to get back at them? Is it a revenge thing? Um, why does he want this particular power? And it's, it seems to me to be kind of a destructive power. So what is it that he's wanting to destroy? Is there a person he's wanting to destroy or, or just get back at, at his own kind in general? And then um, one thing that, that came up, kind of a what if, and I know that this tends to be more of a clarification round, but I like to throw in a what if anyway. Um, <laughs> and so my, my what if is, is one way to, to kind of play with Xander is if he knows that they're going to give him this power and then they're going to invade, and the world is going to fight back if he has this power and he double crosses and becomes a champion for the humans, then maybe he regains something that he lost in the past. And so maybe it's all part of his grand scheme that it, in reality, he's not wanting the aliens to conquer humanity, at least in his mind, but he's going about it in a very nefarious way to gain this power so that he can be the champion for humanity and then all of that fails and blows up in his face. Interesting. I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. I think yeah, that so I. if if Xander and Ruben had similar childhoods, and that Ruben was picked on, and if maybe Ruben was overweight, and that Xander is a self-made man, that he has become fit, and he is trying to to kind of reverse the derision and the mocking that he got as a kid. So he's a he's an inveterate attention whore, and that he desperately needs. <laughs> Um, he needs people to recognize him as being right. worthwhile and that he's trying to run this Loki plot on the aliens so he can become the world's hero. Right. Yes. I yeah. love that. I love that. But that's only one way to take the character. And Linton, that's entirely sure. up to you, kind oh, of yeah. how you want to figure him as an, as a, an antagonist. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's brilliant, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is good stuff. That's awesome. and, and that's what we do. That's our stock and trade here. Um, so... Uh, for myself, Linton, uh, um, I'm, I'm so glad that Mike was here so that he could actually provide a, 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 a referential context for the type of story that is going on here. Because I, I, too, got that very classic hero sense uh, from, from the progression and from the, the background of the character and the events that unfold. And, and yeah, I think we, need, we definitely need more try-fail. Uh, uh, we need we need to see, uh, as Mike pointed out, more more about Ruben in his regular life, uh, uh, but but not so much necessarily that that it slows down the beginning of the story. And we and we can we can play with ways of doing that. Uh, more options for Ruben to work into his power. More ways for us to see the the threat and menace 
uh, and psychology of Xander and, and maybe even a little more agency for Rubens so that he uh, uh, steps forward more boldly as a hero uh, in spite of his self-esteem issues and so on and so forth. Um, one question that I had, Linton, is uh, the aliens themselves. And, and, and if, if you've got background on these guys, cool. If not, no problem. But, but what is this... What is it that, that that Ruben stumbles into? How long has it been there, and and why why do the aliens want this planet? Are they are they a conquering race? Are they a desperate race, uh, uh, dying? Uh, what's what's their general just basic uh, uh, cultural stand? So we know what our ultimate antagonist is like. Um, as as far as the aliens, I had uh, my knee jerk reaction was to just have them want to harvest our resources and. and labor force but uh that just seems too too overdone so i'm i'm not really sure yet as to what okay. their motivation is okay. if you want to take this in a satire place you could have it so that they've been trying to make uh especially americans but all around the world they've been trying to make people fatter because that's the fuel for <laughs> their for, for their nanites totally oh my god yes <laughs> holy crap and that's the reason for this obesity problem in america now Oh my God, Mike! That's brilliant. Yes, of course, and of course, the lead guy is actually the CEO of McDonald's. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 an ad, you know, whatever. But oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And you know, you're right, Mike. That it, that does have a satirical bent to it, but also in, in the context of the story, it slots in beautifully. Yeah, uh, yeah, which and again flies in in the exact opposite of of what Xander has tried to do, and in, in, if we go with that background for him of overcoming his 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 fat tendencies and becoming this lean, fit, trim dude, uh, uh, and and making that work. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I wanted to just throw out my my what ifs here, um, riffing on what Brian said uh, and Mike both about giving us some background on Xander. What if Xander's the landlord? of that the apartment where Ruben's grandmother is and he's been using yes. it as basically a storage shed he built the thing around the storage shed of the alien tech just to you know hide it in plain sight and the fire was caused by him prematurely activating the the alien tech so that he could get the jump on the alien invasion that he knows is coming and 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 have Ruben one of the people instead of taking his grandmother out, have Xander be one of the people that Ruben pulls out of the fire, uh, because he's of course burned and, and torn to heck by by this alien tech. Uh, there's a bit of lovely bit of irony there. I thought. I like that. So yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. All right, yeah. awesome. So um, looking at into into Xander, looking into the the tri fail cycle a little bit, expanding a little bit on that opening segment of Ruben's ordinary life. Mike, what what thoughts do you have that we can do to to layer in some more backstory while not at the same time driving driving us back into first gear in terms of a kicking start off to this? Right. Uh, I think that we can. I, I would um, challenge you, Linton, to uh, to move your hook into plot one. Because my understanding of the seven-point structure is that the, the ending is, you know, if the ending is Ruben triumphs, having gained confidence in himself, and defeats Xander, and, is, you know, and then the aliens invade. For the hook, you want the exact opposite. So we want Ruben to be in a weak position, and we want to show him not yet being a hero. We can do that by putting an initial challenge at him. 
something at school or something in his life that relates to his grandmother and or Anaya, where he maybe he other he doesn't step up to the plate or he tries something and if he fails, and then that sets us up to wonder whether he's going to be a hero when the fire comes along. Because okay. if we set up his relationship to Anaya, in the way that we build up the relationship to Anaya, that should inform and make it so that we as readers understand what happens when Anaya gets turned later, which I'm, I'm not sure about and I'll, we'll want to talk about there. Yeah, but yeah, we, need, we need to see okay. why is Anaya his friend? What do they have, to, what do they have together? What do, they, what do they give each other as friends? You know, does Anaya give him more confidence in himself than he, than he feels he justifies? And does, you know, is he funny and then she likes that? Or does she have a crush on him and he doesn't know? Um, something like that. We want to build up the relationship because you can do characterization it, during action scenes with the fire. But if we're doing flashbacks to like why he cares about his grandma as he's going up the stairs, that's totally going to kill plotting and the pacing. So we, I think we want to set the pieces up before the fire. You know, Linton, you were talking about how uh, Anaya is hurt and crippled in, in the attack in the hospital room. Yep. What if she's already in a wheelchair? What if she's already one of those uber hip and totally cool with herself uh, uh, people that, for whatever reason, you know, cerebral palsy, whatever, whatever the source is, she's in a wheelchair already, and she's totally cool with that, and she's she's one of the cool kids in school, but she's had to work hard to get there, and and she sees in Ruben something that, uh, you know, I mean, they're both going to be, you know, for at least the cool kids in school, they're going to be outcasts, they're going to be pariahs. And, and maybe during, you know, they found a way to bond together and reinforce each other's strength. And in, and in fact, Anaya is, is helping shore up Ruben uh, and, and help him overcome some of his shyness and, and reticence to come into his own. Does that, does that, I think that might give, uh, give Anaya more of a personality and, and give the two of them more to engage with in terms of that, that starting relationship. Does that make sense? It does. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Just yeah, a, I like that a lot. Just a thought. Just a thought. Um, I'm going to jump in for a second because I, I want to riff on what you just said just a little bit. And um, I think there's two ways that you could go with that with Anaya because I don't know. Uh, you know, we were talking about jumping back to the, the whole thing of her sort of flipping and, and him having to fight her at some point. And so, so there, the way that, yeah, that it was set up that. for me, the way that I understood it was that because of the nanites that that she receives from Reuben, she doesn't have control of them, and somehow Xander can control them, and so he's able to use her against him. But I think you could also do this where if she is wheelchair-bound and Reuben gives her these, they allow her then to walk and to regain some of that strength, and it changes her personality a little bit so that she's a little more um, uh, susceptible to Xander's influence that maybe he comes to her and, Hey, if you like this, I can do even more and I can help you even more. And, you know, and she kind of turns away from Ruben. So there's a couple different ways that you could go with that. I don't know yeah. how you feel about those. I like that. 
I, I think that has a little more authenticity. The, the notion of mind control of the hero's best friend is a little, it feels a little heavy handed and it right. completely undermines Anaya's strength. But what you're proposing, Brian, is, is very cool. Well, let me, let me just say one more thing because there was, there was one other direction that I, that I thought that might be able to go. If you wanted to keep it that Xander is able to control her, rather than it be mind control, have it just be physical. And then she's fighting him and, and like, sobbing the entire time because she can't control it and he knows that she doesn't really want to be throwing these energy you know lightning bolts at him but he um he has to find a way to to get past her that's you know and then it's an even more dramatic and emotional thing that yeah i like that mike what do you think man um i like the the angle that we're moving in there because i think we can take this the plot that you've given us linton and uh-huh. add some tri-fail cycles and some action in between the points, and we'll have a full story where you will get the, those character turns. I definitely want to avoid a, a girlfriends in refrigerator scenario where Anaya gets powers. <laughs> oh, this is a girlfriends in refrigerators is a trend in superhero fiction established, identified by Gail Simone, who's a fantastic writer. Um, she identified a trend where female love interests or female secondary characters uh, in relationships with male heroes are systemically depowered and violently murdered and that uh, superhero, female superheroes are systemically depowered in a way that's very different and more objectifying and demeaning than male characters are. So what I don't want to see is a situation where Anaya gets depowered just kind of as a a plot point without a character aspect to it. Yeah. I think we can take uh, the idea of Anaya being really confident in herself and make that be not only her strength but her weakness in that she sees Ruben kind of gain in power and if she gets the nanites as well, she can get her she can get her ability to walk back and her really coolly contextualized being confident in herself if she and, and Ruben go and get to have some superhero-y adventures in maybe like an initial sub-part of an invasion, and that she grows in confidence to the point where then she becomes susceptible to Xander. And then, by contrast, Ruben, who has been more humble and doubting himself as he grows a little bit in confidence, then hopefully, kind of with the advice from his grandmother, in whatever her version of with great power comes great responsibility, the Ruben has a bit cooler of a head and that he can, he can help her not become the antagonist or bring her back from having become the antagonist by becoming too full of herself. And that way our hero is portrayed as being the middle path between self-doubt and um, too much self-confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah I totally. like that. I like yeah. that very much. And, and, you know, we can, we can actually sort of enhance that and, and give, give, gram, give the grandmother an opportunity to demonstrate that if maybe the opening scene is, is Anaya and Ruben going to visit his grandmother and maybe she doesn't live in a very nice part of town. And maybe the, uh, uh, somebody comes along, maybe there's a gang, you know, I don't, I don't want to go with a stereotypical thing, but, but somebody harasses them. Uh, 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 maybe, maybe there's maybe there's a, a a group that that customarily or habitually uh, uh, harasses Reuben and Anaya because they're always seen together, and Reuben tries to defend his friend, 
uh, uh, and I don't know, gets beat up. Uh, uh, or, or, you know, Anaya gets pushed out of her chair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and ultimately grandma comes out of the stoop and, you know, chases the boys off. Uh, and, and now we can lead into grandma's strength and wisdom as, as she tries to counsel Ruben through that. I don't know. One thing that occurs to me is, um, Linton, I'm betting that there, this isn't the only site of, of alien tech in the world is were you thinking that this was the only one or are there multiples i was definitely thinking multiples as okay and um, there are other people like xander spreading okay. corruption okay all right the reason i mentioned that is and i don't want to complicate things but i'm wondering no this is gonna i'll, I'll put it out there and say this is probably a bad <laughs> idea this is probably bullshit um but what if somebody else uh, uh, has found out about the alien threat, uh, and and is is moving from site to site, and part of you know it, it's sort of like an underground maybe to to sabotage the other alien. Hell, maybe Xander has started an underground movement. God, I don't know. I'm 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 going off in in, <laughs> in tangents. I'm just going to shut up for a second. That's a half baked idea. Um, uh, well, uh, go ahead, yeah. please. Oh well, uh, okay. Um. One thing that's kind of bugging me is has to do with the aliens and Xander and why they need him in the first place, especially if at the end, um, when Ruben finds out about them and, you know, there's thousands of ships or whatever and the whole we're fucked thing, what do they need him for in the first place? Like, why do they need these human agents? Is there a security thing that they can't pass? Is there like a, a Star Wars um, project that's going to blow them out of the sky that they have to bypass some kind of, you know what I mean? Like, what is it? Why do they need a human agent in the first place? Um, I figured that the aliens would be so far from, removed from, from the way we think and we act that they would need people they could control to control the population as they use them and however they they're they're going to yeah but then they'd want people like in government and positions of power to to turn those keys wouldn't they yeah why can't the aliens invade at the beginning of the book yeah yeah good question what is stopping them from invading what what piece needs to fall into place um i don't really see a reason why they couldn't hmm okay that that could give point. you a, a much overall a much higher action story overall if they invade at the start, um, but there's also the possibility that um, that that Xander is in some high position. If you want to take the satire angle, that uh, that Xander is trying to um, to to fight all of the legislation that's that's working to make people healthier, and that he's part of an, a larger plan to to make us all unhealthy, and that. Uh, the aliens need fat cells, and that that's what only what works. So that it has to be fat and not just kind of overall biomass. Uh, but that's kind of that's along the the satire angle. I think there needs to be something keeping the aliens from invading at the beginning of the story that needs to be established. Yeah. Or you can think about having a vision start pretty shortly into the story and, and using those as your hooks. And then your our heroes are are running around during an invasion trying to figure out how to either save their neighborhood or stop it overall. And that way you'll get to determine the scale of the story and then scale it up over time. 
Well, and one of the things you mentioned early yeah. on, Mike, uh, was was the notion of of uh, Ruben and Anaya having superhero adventures together, and that really kind of struck a bell for me and I thought that would be kind of cool a nice exploration of their powers and an opportunity for a little storytelling and, and or, or world building in that context and what if the superhero adventures they're having are with other people that have been quote unquote activated in some way um, and, and again this is a bare nascent idea but having their superhero adventures somehow you know on the face it's just hey there's a guy robbing a bank let's stop him uh, but in point of fact, he's also infected by alien tech as well. And have that be a, a peeled layer that reveals there's something bigger going on. Uh, uh, and now we can bring Xander into the equation as well. I don't know. What do you think? Ooh. Yeah. Dave, while you were talking, um, I, it gave me the idea that maybe one of the reasons that they do have these human agents is specifically to infect specific people with the nanites. Okay. You know what I mean? So that if Xander is working his way into government, it's getting him closer to the people that the aliens want to control so that he can infect them and that this is happening all over the world. And so we see this massive shift right of, you know, people who are who who it's it's the it's the flip-flopping politicians, but suddenly they're they're flipping away from from what they've been fighting for for the last for eight years, and they're taking a very hard line in a particular direction um, that is going to help out the aliens because they are being infected by these human agents that go through, and that that has to occur before the invasion can take place. Yeah. And then, if the invasion is happening during the book, I don't want to see, and this is just me personally, this is a, a get your plastics on because I'm slinging bullshit at you. <laughs> um, um, I, I don't like to see like a massive you know, oh, there's aliens running through the neighborhood or, or whatever. It's for me, <laughs> it's, it's better if it's, yeah, <laughs> for me, it's better if it's little pockets of things happening that at first people kind of go, huh, that's weird. You know, like the guy who like ate his friend on the on-ramp in Florida and they were both naked and, you know, we're like, yeah. oh, zombie apocalypse. But no, it was some kind of weird drug. Apparently that's the official story. Yeah. But, you know, that's one of those like, oh, that's kind of weird. But little things that kind of get people's attention slightly and things start happening, but then they start happening more frequently. And then eventually we discover that it's all part of the invasion right. as opposed to here's a massive invasion and where are we going to go from there because we're already at the height of, of you know. So if we, if we, if we, if we've established that the, the fat cells are the optimal storage uh, uh, mechanism for alien tech – then then what if mike what what is stopping the aliens from coming here is that they haven't built up enough energy that that uh, uh we've been infecting uh uh humans planet wide globally uh, uh with these um you know maybe nanites maybe maybe or some sort of of tech that allows every person's fat content to to right. be uh, a storage battery, and we're approaching that threshold when there's going to be enough energy for the alien devices to activate, which then creates a transwarp portal so the aliens can arrive uh, from from their distant realm of whatever uh, and and begin their their ascent. Maybe maybe they're trapped in in another 
realm or dimension. Maybe they've been placed there somehow, uh, uh, and and this is their way out. Uh, and Earth is the perfect place for that because of our obesity issues and so on. Again, the satire and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, uh, so now you can have people active being activated, uh, uh, you know, just like Ruben stumbled upon a, a place and his nanites are activated, but others, because we're approaching that threshold could be too. I don't know. And, and, you know, and random it, energy yeah. bolts. Right. And you can also have, if you're going to have nanites that like, you know, control people, you could also have nanites that attach themselves to fat cells and create a manufacturing thing within people's bodies that holds on to fat cells and makes it harder and harder and harder for us to burn the fat off. Yeah. 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 All right. You know, we're, 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 we're getting, <laughs> we're getting lost in world building and that's awesome. It's uh, pretty deep here. It's pretty deep. Um, but I want, you know, I want to turn it back over to Mike and get just a quick feedback on, on this, this notion that we're throwing out, but then help, help us, Mike, get us back into what's important, which is the characters of the story. Okay. Um, so this is getting to a question that I had early on. The fact that superpowers have a relationship to fat, I think, has a larger thematic impact. And that, Linton, as you're working, um, I, would, I would challenge you to, to think really deeply about that and what you're saying about the relationship of fat to power. Um, something I would, I would suggest as a possibility is that using using his internal fat cells to do power feels like exercise. And that when he starts, he's really bad at it because he's out of shape. And that um, the optimal format for him is that he, he eats either healthier or that he eats and exercises. Um, because if this is going to be a teen kind of book, I wouldn't necessarily want to send you off to write something where the thematic impact is basically... By the way, kids, eat a whole bunch. That's really good. <laughs> if you get fat, you can be a superhero. <laughs> good point. Good point. But to, to bring it together, um, I think that that thematic question can be, um, can be something that is present throughout the writing because you can, talk, you can think about you know, what's, what the character's choices are, what his relationship to his body and being fat and what the social implications of being fat are. Um, in terms of beating out a story, I think that it's really important to figure out why the aliens haven't invaded yet. A possibility is that the aliens are the nanites themselves and that they're waiting to, to just exert total control, because, but they need, to get, they need to infect certain people in certain situations. That's a very different approach. Mm -hmm. If they are an exterior, if they're, if they're saucer aliens, then you, you know, we need the power to open a portal or to, uh, to let them switch into this dimension, or that they just need to, to fatten us up to the point where when they arrive, they can, uh, we're weak enough to not be able to stop them because so many of us are unfit, uh, and that the, the average person doesn't have the power to fight back, and that they can be corralled kind of uh, um, in a aliens with tripods pulling people up on tentacles kind of fashion. Um, or, or, or the, 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 the invasion is actually a, a possession, an inhabitation of some kind. Like, like you were right. saying, Michael, where if the aliens are nanites, maybe they're, they're a, a cybernetic organism. And once the density of nanites is strong enough, 
uh, they can download into this person, take control of the nanites, and then you can get this whole great visual of you know tentacles and 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 Doctor Octopus appendages coming out of their bodies now that they've been infused by these aliens, and that could be the 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 conflict that that Xander, not Xander, uh, Ruben and Anaya are are engaging in initially. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. because. You can, what you can do with that is you can literalize the metaphor of struggling with your body. Yes. And that Reuben has to struggle with the nanites. If maybe the, these nanites can only latch hold of and use fat cells so that somebody who has a really low body fat percentage is pretty much useless to them, that they don't have a way of getting in. But that the fat is not only a weakness where the aliens can come in, but it's also a source of strength where if the, the, the person who's being infected can take control of their body. They can use this for their own purposes. Yes. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, a, that's a fabulous thematic undercore to, to, to work from. I love that, that. That means that if Ruben has been heavy his whole life, that he, he's, he's fought a lot of battles against himself, and he knows himself in a certain way. He may not think of himself well, but that he's been fighting those battles and that maybe he's in a good position to, to use this opportunity to struggle internally. Like, he gets infected and then there's something external that happens where he has to respond and he takes command of his body and takes command of the situation and that then Anaya can take command of her body in a different way and that um, her relationship with her body is, is very different kinds of struggles and it's maybe not along the lines uh, that the way that Ruben has, and that might be why there's a different level of control, and that that struggle can be something that uh, is internal, and then also gets mapped externally, where it's a control of self, discipline, um, and kind of emotional control is something that Ruben needs to use as the hero throughout the story, so that the internal conflict and the external conflict resonate. What do you think, Linton? I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that hugely. That <laughs> yeah, is that's epic. Badass. And yeah, and, totally. and 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 at that moment when they when they exert that control, when they when they seize and make that transformation uh, of character, um, having Xander, you know, there there would be these individuals going back to Xander and the and the bad guy, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, having Zan- these individuals that are propagating or promulgating this this alien agenda of infecting people with nanites blah 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 um he would have to then be the core the key that that ruben and anaya have to engage with in some way to thwart the invasion that that because he is tied in so tightly to maybe the neural network that that is allowing these aliens to have this this control and this simultaneous communication across the globe that he provides access for them to, to go in and disrupt that in some way. And so Xander right. becomes the ultimate hope for defeating this, this, this assault. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I really like about this is Xander may be under the impression that he's working for little green men, you know, or like right. aliens that are his size. And he doesn't realize that the, the quote unquote technology are the aliens. And so he's infecting himself with the the things that you know that he's thinking he's then going to turn around and defeat once he has this power and so that's that's the twist that that makes him fall on his face and and not be able to to complete what it is that he thought he was going to do in the first place sure he's the tragic yeah. hero yeah. 
and that yeah. can be a reveal for your third act. Yes. It's that it, it's yeah. not that you know Ruben has been struggling against the nanites. It's that he's been struggling against the aliens themselves, and that right. even if Xander doesn't know that, that could be a chance for Xander to either redeem himself and for them to get a, do a team up at the end and you know avert the whatever MacGuffin is that that <laughs> that needs to activate so that the um, so that there's they hit the critical mass or that there's some like um, atmospheric distribution of the nanites that are then going to you know if you if you dumped a whole bunch of nanites with a superstorm over North America I know we're we've got enough uh, enough people with enough fat that that's their that's the point where that they will there will hit epidemic and that they'll be able to take over the world because they're not going to start in Europe where people are skinnier. Right. Um, they're going right. to start here, and then you get to hit that satirical angle. Very yeah. much. And so. what, a, what a great way to localize it. When Oftentimes when we do these kinds of stories, we talk about how, well, why is it going on here and it's not going on elsewhere? And <laughs> this is, you know, it's such an, kind of an American epidemic that it makes perfect sense why it would start here. Absolutely. Absolutely, and 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 oh God, this is this is this is gold, people! This I is love literary it. <laughs> gold. Awesome, Linton. Do you do you have a, a clear sense of all of the different things that the that these nanites can do, or do you do we want to dig into the powers and kind of the the flashy, cool FX parts of it, um, so to give you some more ammo to play with? Uh, I don't uh, really have a clear sense yet. That would be definitely a good place to dig. Yeah. You have okay. come to the right place. So, <laughs> have you read slash seen Blue Beetle, Spider-Man, and Static Shock? Um, those were pretty much my inspiration. <laughs> awesome. So I love Blue the new Blue Beetle. It's awesome. Yeah. So with Blue Beetle, you get um, kind of constructs, and it's definitely along a biological level. There's also... Um, there's a show, the name of which I can't remember, but I will email it to you when I find it, uh, about a guy who, who has nanites and can turn them into cool things. Um, but we can do energy projections. We can get flight. We can have c- constructs. Um, and depending on how hard you want to hit the thematic level, we, they, can be, they can look biological or they can look technological um, because then you can also have the idea that the biological becomes technological and a question of how much of it is still the person. You know, when Ruben uses these fat cells to turn into things, does he get skinny and then he has to eat more? Or is it kind of a baseline level where they draw energy, the nanites create energy from the fat cells, but they stay around? We can dig into that more, and you'll want to have it clearly defined. If you're going to go along the aliens want our fat, and they use our fat, and if you have less fat then you can't be taken over. You'll need to have a little bit of extra explanation on kind of the, um, uh, the house with the tech. Well, I can kind of see how when, when uh, what Linton was talking about originally with the energy bolts coming out, uh, I can almost see that like a short circuiting. It, it's kind of like the, there aren't enough nanites or so they're not activated yet, so they're not actually processing, but they're doing their, their baseline functioning of storing energy. So you get these, these static discharges, and, and for, for larger people, you have more energy. So it actually elevates to almost like a plasma level of, of ejection, 
And and that could be happening already, even before he stumbles into uh, uh, the alien site that activates it. And in the activation, the fat cells are the raw materials that the nanites, once they're activated and working, uh, transform the individual. I, I can see like this, this transmutation of the fat cells into this quasi-cybernetic or, or organo-cybernetic uh, uh, armor, chitinous, mutilant, mm-hmm. uh, uh, flowing armor that t- takes form and can can evolve into into spines or or boxes that that explode. I don't know all kinds of cool stuff is bouncing <laughs> through my head. Uh, but that oh, gives wait. you a, pro- a progression of state from inactive to active to fully realized alien in possession. That that's my first thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One thing that I was thinking is if you if you're playing with different abilities from this, then I think that they would have a different burn rate. You know, like if you're using cold, then you stay fat longer. If you're using fire, then it's burning up those those fat cells because it's using that as part of its energy. Um, so something along those lines as well. Yeah. Defining yeah. defining the type of energy that comes out. What about right. and what it, what it does? It, it's it, how it metabolizes or metabolizes the the energy that it's using, right, right, right. Mike, what about you, sir? Um, I think that there's also the question of how the nanites can go outside the body to get more fat. Like, is there ability where the nanites kind of extend in claws and can do ver- you know varyingly gruesome things to other people? Like, do you mm. get to do the big kind of gray Ooh. blob yeah. where where people who aren't in control of their nanites kind of all mush in together as they're seeking more fat? Uh, and then you get big, like, fleshy tentacle monsters. Like, what what level <laughs> is is there for That's that kind cool. of thing? Because that then you get big citywide panic or local panic um, that you can play with, and monsters that are yeah. uncontrolled um, machines. Maybe there's totally. been some big thing where um, the aliens themselves um, don't ha- can't control them. Like something breaks, and that they go crazy, so that they're not doing the measured. Um, sneaky takeover fashion anymore. Either they've decided to go, you know, balls to the walls and kind of lost themselves, so they've lost their control, and then you get all the wild stuff or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, or or like it's a partial activation. All the nanites aren't engaged correctly. Yeah. Uh, so you get this sort of bizarre role, and I love the idea of being able to infect people because now we can get yeah. the whole zombie thing rocking in there, where <laughs> right. where people can right. can be infected by other nanites, and and I I can totally see uh, these these stations being like network hubs. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where in, in Xander's grandmother's apartment building is the actual coordination. It's, it's the central computer through which the aliens will initiate this network. And once it's all initiated, then they can all act as one. But if they can stop this hub from actually occurring and engaging, then maybe they can disrupt the whole, or, or at least uh, slow down the invasion so we have something to talk about in book two. I don't know. So, very cool. Gentlemen, I love I'm, it. Yeah, <laughs> this is great stuff. Um, gentlemen, I'm looking at the time. We we are we are ticking down, so I'm going to initiate the the final phase of the roundtable workshop, which is one last trip around the table and and giving Linton some final thoughts, uh, uh, things to consider and explore, stuff that's awesome, uh, uh, and generally uh, fill his pockets full of literary gold. Uh, Mike, we'll lead off with you, sir. Final thoughts for for Master Bowers? Uh, Linton, I think this idea is great. I hope that that the ideas we've given you 
kind of reinforce what you want to do with the story and that we haven't built a, a different story uh, for you to tell and that it stays yours. I think thematically, you've got a huge gold mine that's really applicable contemporaneously. Like, the, the, it's a kind of struggle that people and teens in America are dealing with right now. There's a national conversation, but teens dealing with their own bodies is a deeply personal issue and that you can get a lot out of that by having the story not only be Ruben's arc of becoming a hero, but in Ruben becoming fully in control of himself and his body and reconciling with a body that maybe he's felt trapped in his whole life. Uh, and that that is really emotionally powerful to me because I was heavy as a kid and all of the superheroes I saw were skinny. And that finding a way to bridge that, that cognitive gap for teen readers could be immensely powerful. That's and I huge. think that, um, that you've, you put all of those pieces in, in, on the table and that hopefully we've given you some sense of structure where you can go forward with, uh, with those ideas, tell the kind of story you want to, and get that huge emotional punch that I think you're set up for. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Holy crap, yeah. yes. Brian? Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, th I think for me, I just want to let you know that, like, I, you know, like our disclaimer says, you don't have to take anything that we say, and you don't have to use any of it. But I think that, we we glommed on to one particular path and what you gave us fueled that path. And so there's so much in just the basic storyline that you presented, um, so many different ways you can go, that I think, you know, all of the different ideas that, that we've thrown out, there's a lot of essence there. And whether you use the actual actual idea or not, you can pull the essence from it um, and and do whatever you want to do with this, and whatever you do, I think is going to be brilliant because this, you know, there's such so so many places that we can go with this, and I just yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see what happens with it. Yeah, 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 me too. And and I will, I, I yeah, um, yes, this this has so much potential, and I love the fact that that we've been able to to discover a theme. Uh, uh, that that actually is topical and relevant, uh, uh, and also can tie in so elegantly and so beautifully uh, to the arc of the characters themselves. Uh, so, Linton, you, you you've got a beautiful story here. I definitely more try fail more. I, I love the idea of of Ruben and Anaya having that moment of discovery that they're both badasses. Uh, and going out and, dis and and exploring that and then running up against that wall that all the contemporary superhero uh, stories seem to be coming up with, like being a badass is not enough. Uh, uh, power is not enough. It's it's this, the true strength that's inside of you that will give that power meaning and relevance in the context of your life. Uh, uh, and that that is just beyond awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I got nothing else to say other than, than please, 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 sir, go write this story. Yes. Um, cause, cause we want to read it and I, and I, now, I, yeah. Yes. And, I, and, yeah. I, and I think the world is, is going to be ready for something like this. I think this is going to be a uh, uh, well-received, uh, uh, and, and well done. So yep. awesome. Um, Linton. Dude, I know it's never easy to put your babies out there. Now, you're a badass Marine, uh, so it probably wasn't that trepidatious, but uh, I, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you bringing your story to the table and, and letting us play in this playground. This has been awesome, man. Yes. Yeah, thank you guys very much. This has been a lot of fun and, and very awesome. 
Excellent. Excellent. Now, here's the deal, Linton. You write this bad boy. You put it out there as, as serialized fiction. You put it out there uh, uh, as an ebook or, or get, get, you know, get a big five contract, however it works. But you let us know. Oh, please, oh, please let us know. And we will have you back and we will knight you. We will make you a knight of the round table. That's the deal. Will do. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. Cool. That's all we can ask. Uh, uh, Mike. Once again, uh, uh, I, I, I consider myself utterly justified uh, in Brian and mine's decision to bring yes. uh, uh, authors, actual experienced uh, uh, and knowledgeable authors onto this show. Your contributions to this discussion have, have been invaluable and enlightening and inspiring for not just Linton, but for all of us. And, and we are so grateful for that. Thank you, sir. No, the pleasure is mine. Uh, uh... And your idea has inspired me to go back and try and find new and cooler things to do with superhero narrative. So thank you. <laughs> Dude, you're welcome. <laughs> we, we, we have sparks flying in every direction and that is everything that we want the round table to be. That's awesome. Oh, wow. So, uh, Brian, closing thoughts as, as we bring this to a, to a, to a wrap up. I think this is one of those, uh, workshops that just, it, it fuels me, you know, and, Anytime that we, that we can just throw ideas out there and get really excited about something, um, then I think that we've done what, what we set out to do. And um, th- this one is not only no exception, but it has been exceptional. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it really is. It's, an, it's been an affirmation of the collective, of, of the group writing, yes. of, of getting together and, and sharing your ideas and getting feedback and, and insights that, that you can't possibly, being the person that you are, come to. But by bringing it to the table and letting people talk about it, this is starting to sound like a promo for the roundtable. But damn it, that's what we do. <laughs> Uh, uh, and that's awesome. Damn straight. That's very yes. cool. And as and as long as we're slinging gratitude uh, uh, like fat cells at a clinic, no, that's not where I want to oh. go with that at all. <laughs> um, but uh, dear friends, thank you as always for hitting that play button. Uh, you are the completion of the circuit. Without you guys out there uh, uh, digging this vibe and and enjoying it and taking from it as much as we are, uh, we we got nothing. We're we're just talking in the dark. So thank you very much. Um, uh, if, if you're, if you're sitting there going, wow, this is freaking amazing. And I know you are, uh, uh, feel free to, to spread the word. Let the goodness, uh, be shouted from the highest hilltops. Uh, one hilltop is of course iTunes, uh, because I, I had the folly of naming this thing, something that 50 million other podcasts are also named. So we got no placement in their search listings. (laughs) So uh, a few good reviews is really helping boost us up there and you'll be helping us hugely that way way um uh spreading the word with friends on other blogs uh and and please by all means so many of you have have gone back to the post and continued the discussion there and we encourage you to do so uh and linton i will definitely let you know when those comments start flowing in uh so that the discussion can continue on the roundtable website as well oh man so dude i know exactly this is exactly how we feel every week and, and the amazing thing to me, Brian, is, is that in just a couple of days, we're going to start yeah. this all over again. 
I know, right? More (laughs) awesome and amazing and informed guest hosts bringing their perceptions to the world. Uh, More courageous guest writers bringing their stories for discussion. More literary gold for everyone. Uh, uh, But, you know, that's that's a couple of days away. And right now, thank God, because I need to rest up. Uh, uh, but but during those days, uh, besides resting up, what what do you think, Bri? Got any suggestions? Well, I know what I'm going to do. And What's that? So I think everybody else should too, and that is go right. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Bring your awesomeness into the world, infuse it with more cool vibe uh, uh, by writing your stories and getting them in there. And if we can help here at the roundtable, we are only too happy to. Uh, you find what you're looking for, friends, so look for that top-shelf Blue Label goodness. You will find it. We will see you in a couple of days. Until then, you guys stay cool, be frosty, be awesome, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode is copyright 2013 by the Roundtable Podcast and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means don't sell it, but you can share it all you like. And you can even use pieces of it in your own derivative work, as long as you attribute us as the source and release the work under the same licensing terms. Theme music composed and performed by the talented Hepcats of Brotown, Gary Gold, David Labroyer, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you'd like to be a guest writer or guest host, or learn more about the Roundtable podcast, please visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast. Our Twitter tag is at writerspodcast or you can send us an email at thetable at roundtablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.